hate when like Raiders games that I'm frustrated about get ah. into get into the headlines and the news and what we talk about up top because <laughs> because I try not to get frustrated when talking about it. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Go for Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans. By two frustrated football fans, I'm Jenna Lique here with Brad Klein, and this is the last episode of 2020. We started this podcast in 2020. We made it through 38 episodes, which is insane, and now we are closing down this year, and we'll be back in 2021. 2021, no worries. I will say, Jenna, this is probably the best thing to ever come from 2020. I mean, honestly, this has been... This has been one heck of a year. Everyone is just rolling it up into a ball and throwing it down the wishing well. Not me. I'm going to miss the uh, the birth of the Gopher 2 podcast. But, like, you know what? We still, we still got lots more to come. Yep. This is, you know, we're only episode 38. Uh, soon, one day, I'll be sitting here. You'll be sitting here, and we'll say on episode 300. That seems like a lot. I was going to say 100. 300 seems like a lot, but who knows? Who knows what the future of the podcast holds. But I can tell you what the future of this episode specifically holds. We're going to talk about everything that happened in this past week and, of course, give you that update for the playoff picture because that's becoming super important. And there's some really interesting things happening. This week was kind of crazy and shuffled everybody around. Um, so let's start first with Dwayne Haskins. We, we opened up or we talked about him a little bit on the previous show and things just started – breaking down quickly within the Washington football team's relationship with Haskins. I, what was your reaction when you saw that he got released this week? I wasn't surprised that he got released. I was a little surprised that they did it now with Alex Smith injured and Alex Heineke, I think is your, is your quarterback now, assuming yeah. Smith can't go. Taylor just, Heineke, I'm, I think. T- excuse me. That's a household name. I got to get that <laughs> right. Taylor Heineke. Um, a practice squad player, free agent. And I understand that there's very little faith in Dwayne Haskins, but just for depth, just for numbers, I was surprised that they did it now. And look, they stripped him of his captainship. They fined him $40,000 for the strip club incident. And that all makes sense. It does make sense that they cut him. It just seems like that for whatever reason, ever since draft day, He's been a guy that just didn't really get it. Didn't get it on the field, never really blossomed, and didn't get it off the field, obviously, either. And it seems harsh because he's only 23, and it is harsh, but this is a harsh game, and there are only 32 of these jobs out there. So he's not worthy of one of them. And for that reason, I I think Washington just wanted to get rid of the distraction. Hey, we're probably going to the playoffs. I want the majority of the of the questions in the locker room or on Zoom rather to be about the team in the playoffs rather than the player that is trying to backpedal us. And for me, my thought process when I heard this news was that Dwayne Haskins had to play like he had to play well or it was kind of done for oh, yeah. him. It was, you know, the season's on the line. You need to win this game to really secure that you're – because now the, the playoff picture is a little more blurry. And, again, I'll, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it, you really needed this win as a security blanket. And it was against the Carolina Panthers, definitely a winnable game. And he goes out there and plays awful. And he throws two interceptions. And he has completion percentage about 50%. It was just a complete mess, and he gets benched yet again. So, at that point, if you're if he gets benched – to me, I'm like, they don't trust this guy at all. And why keep him there? I get the, the just for depth. Um, and Alex Smith has kind of been an, an up and down experience out over the past week because they thought that he might play this game because he was progressing faster than they thought. And then all of a sudden, the day right before the game, they're like, oh no, he has, like, it's all, it, he had a really, you know, down day in practice. So I think he'll, he should hopefully be ready by the next week. And, He's obviously their best option. So I think it was only a matter of time. It was like, we're going to give this kid a shot. If he can't figure it out on the field, he's not figuring it out off the field. Right. So the combination, he's just not figuring it out in life as an NFL player. And so I got it, but I get what you're saying too. I'll tell you what, Janet, this might be a blessing in disguise. You know, Washington is a team 
that has tried to surround Haskins and put him in a, in a position to succeed. But one thing that they haven't done yet, just based on the team being pretty bad, is put him in a position of pressure. And that's, that's really how you evaluate young quarterbacks. Like here in the tri-state area, everyone's saying, yeah, with Daniel Jones, we think he's good, but we won't really know until he plays a playoff game, right? And maybe we'll find out this week because in week 17, because it's essentially a playoff game. Well, the same can be said for Washington right now, okay? And Dwayne Haskins, even though last week wasn't necessarily a playoff game and a must win, it was a big game. And it was especially a big game for Dwayne Haskins because if he's aware of the situation and if he has a brain on top of his shoulders, which I think he does, then he would probably be able to smell the roses and say, okay, I was stripped of my captainship. I was fined $40,000. I have not played well recently, probably ever in my career. What reason does this team have to keep me? They don't. So basically, I have to play well this week to stay on the team, and he didn't play well. So that's a position of pressure that, to me, as, as an objective fan, maybe emulates a playoff game as closely as you possibly can in a game that's not a must-win and he did not perform well. So maybe that's Washington's indication that, hey, he's not our guy. Because when we put him in the microwave, he didn't cook. And one last thing on, on Dwayne Haskins that I thought was interesting, Dan Rossini, who's a reporter for the uh, for ESPN, remembers back when you know he was in the draft conversation that a lot of coaches within the Washington football team were getting frustrated because the executives weren't listening to them that she was she like said that like they were saying how they didn't want Dwayne Haskins they said he's not ready they don't want him but the executives went and did what they wanted to do anyway and so I think this was kind of part maybe not long overdue but quite overdue of just the you know change in the guard and change in leadership they're trying to change the culture over there I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins should have been the first to go but it obviously was a point of contention um, so this seems like it was never a fit and it was just kind of like you're trying to force the puzzle piece into the puzzle, the other puzzle piece that is obviously not working, but it's close enough. It's kind of close. So you're kind of jamming in there. Um, that seems to be the situation that happened. It'll in be Washington. interesting to see where he goes, though. Real quick prediction. Does he start in the NFL again as a full-time starter? I don't think so because he never – he never really did he did but like I feel like it was just so mediocre that I wouldn't even call it anything substantial I don't think he has nothing to prove that he deserves to be a quarterback yeah Yeah. in the NFL so I'm saying no not a long-term starter but again he's still young but I think he's messed up kind of any there what are coaches gonna look at and be like wow yes I want this guy yeah, and it's a good point. When you compare him to the other misplaced quarterbacks, and when I, when I say that, some of them have teams. Like, ahead of this offseason, I'm looking at Sam Darnold as potentially, probably not now that the Jets have the number two pick, but I'm looking at him as a guy that might be on the move. Jameis Winston was one of those guys that started and now just doesn't really have a place in the NFL. Josh Rosen, I guess, because he didn't play well, I guess you can make that comparison. The thing about a guy like Sam Darnold or Jameis Winston is that there was that glimmer of hope. There there were games when you looked at those players and said, hey, these guys can ball. And say what you want about Jameis Winston on or off the field, his interceptions. Guy led the league in passing the year he lost the job. So that has to go for something. He threw for a lot of yards. He threw for a lot of touchdowns. And that again, that has to count for something. That's why I think Jameis Winston will start in the NFL again. But Dwayne Haskins doesn't have that case. He doesn't have an argument. So you're right. I agree with you. I I don't see it. I, as of now, I don't see it. Exactly. Uh, that's what I was. That was going to be my only. Uh, like the comparison is just weird, just because Dwayne Haskins is bad. Jameis Winston and Sam Darnold have more to prove, and have proven that they can be, at least at the ceiling level of, or, you know, the floor level of good. Like they, they can be good. Not great, but they can hold their own, hold their own out there. I guess I would compare it more 
to Josh Rosen, but that guy's future yeah. is even like that's even bleaker. Well, he's on the step practice down. squad step, right step, now. Yeah, he's bouncing around practice squads. So yeah, so even even worse. But that's how I, to me that's a little more comparable. But let's just move on. There was you know there's actual football games to talk about. That was our one newsy headline, and now we're going to talk about the Steelers finally figuring it out against the Colts. So a team. Uh, Steelers are a team that had just lost their previous three games and they have the Colts coming into town. The Colts had a 17 point lead and blew it. And now that shuffled up the playoff picture in crazy ways. And I don't know. I, I someone was, was I, I didn't watch this game. I heard, I guess it was just like a, it was the highlights before watching the Packers Titans game. And whoever was reading hats, I don't remember who it was, was like, you know what? The Steelers didn't have a run game all year. They're not going to continue to have a run game. But they finally figured it out on the passing end. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, he got to do his TikTok dance in the locker room this time. So do you think that this Steelers team makes a run? Or do you think that they're, you know, good for them for getting this win, but it's kind of too late to prove that they can make a deep playoff run. Look, a win is a win is a win. And again, I, I always hate the, the Steelers slander because I picked them, but no more. I, look, they're 12 and three now, but this to me was the same team that won the first 11 games, which is not necessarily a good team, but a team that's good at masking the problem and overcoming the problem, which is the run game. And they average a yard and a half per carry James Conner, five carries, 20 yards. He did have a touchdown. But Ben Roethlisberger at 38 just has nothing, nothing around him. And you could say what you want about the passing game. Juju Smith-Schuster played well. Deontay Johnson played well. Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, they all showed up. I get it. But at the same time, there's really no difference. There's really no improvement. And I think it's been pretty clear pretty early on that the Steelers need a run game to make this offense work. And it worked in the second half. Indianapolis just completely disappeared. But again, there's really no difference. Yeah, just looking at the stat line, you have Ben Roethlisberger, who, who had a good day. He threw for 342 yards to three touchdowns. But the run game on the other end is so depleted. So you have James Conner was the leading rusher. He had five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, the touchdown's all good and fun, but, you know, the passing game is what got them down there. And it's always said about teams that make deep runs in the playoffs, they have strong run, run games. They don't rely on the pass that heavily. And I think we saw that last year with the Tennessee Titans. They you had Derrick Henry and were running all over people, and no one knew what to do with that. And it, they yeah. may end up making a deep playoff run, and they were a team that no one thought anything of. So. I don't think I it's hard because a lot of people are like are they the worst you know are they the worst 12 and 3 team that we've ever seen and it's possible but (laughs) it's definitely possible but I don't know you know they if they figure it out on on the passing end they have a pretty high ceiling but if they you know stumble like they did the last three games against better teams because those teams weren't good um then their floor they're going to hit their floor pretty quick. So I don't have much faith in the Steelers, but this was a solid win. The Colts are a good football team. And so, you know, this is one of the, you know, there's a lot, there's marquee wins and this is, this is one of them. That was one of the, uh, one of the things that people were saying about the Steelers of for why they weren't that good of a team. It was because, you know, they didn't really play anybody. And, you know, this is someone that they played, and they played well. So, you know, kudos to them, but I don't know how far they make it down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, good for the receivers to actually catch the ball. I feel like the Steelers have multiple drops per game at this point. And, and, and the offense did its job. I mean, that's, that's what it really comes down to. They scored 28 points against the Colts defense. That's pretty good. But really all year, it's been the defense winning them football games and the offense just trying to tread water. This was a bit of an outlier. I don't feel any different about the Steelers now than I did going into this game. Yep, I I agree. I'm kind of neutral. It only becomes interesting when we start talking about the playoffs, which we will get to now. 
We have the game. I hate this. I hate when like Raiders games that I'm frustrated about get ah. into get into the headlines and the news and what we talk about up top because because I try not to get frustrated when talking about it and it's very very hard. So I'm gonna let you talk about the finish of this game. It was crazy. I'm gonna hand it over to you. You talk about it, and I'll sit here and listen. Sure. All right. Well, first of all, my condolences. All right. So. The Colts, or rather the Dolphins, win in a miracle finish, 26-25 to in Las Vegas. And really the Raiders had an opportunity to essentially put this football game away, okay? They were up by two, 25-23. Or no, make it, they were, they were down by one, 23-22. And Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, slid at the one-yard line just to burn some clock. He easily could have had a touchdown on first and goal. But instead, Gruden said, hey, don't score. We're going to hit the field goal. And they did chip shot to take a two-point lead, 25-22. to And that gave Ryan Fitzpatrick 19 seconds to go down and march down the field and put the Dolphins in a position to kick a field goal. They did the game winner from 44 and it was a fantastic throw, one of the pictures of the year, with Fitzpatrick's face getting ripped off on a face mask call, blindly throwing it down the left sideline for over 40 yards and putting them in a position to win the game. And obviously that's painful for Jenna. I guess the first thing I'll ask, because I'm essentially quarterbacking this segment now, Jenna, is I know hindsight is twenty twenty. What did you think of the move to not score? Yeah, I can talk, but this is one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm okay with talking about because I'm fine with the move. So I'm fine with, because John Gruden also on whatever down, you know, I think it was third down, decided to, I don't know what ended up happening, but he, he decided, you know, it was a decision made by the team to run up the clock rather than score the touchdown. And I, he stands by it and I stand by it. I was explaining, my sister was like, why is he sliding down? Well, she, when she like randomly walked into the living room with me and my mom were watching the game. I was like, because they need to run out clock. I, they, you know, they just need the lead, and then they need to run. You want to run that clock down as much as possible. And they got the, the Dolphins got the ball back with, like, 12 seconds. I think it was 19 seconds, and then they got it down to 12 seconds, and it was over. Yeah. So, like, with 19 seconds, they, at the 25-yard line, they should not, in theory, they should not make it into field goal range. It should be very hard for them to do that. Yeah. With a competent and defense. And, and maybe that's that. where he messed up with the competent defense part. But my thing is, I think that they they let the touchdown go anyway. I think like, if – I don't think that the field goal versus touchdown was going to be that big of a deal because I think that they end up scoring a touchdown in the end. They went, what, 40 yards? Or it was ended up being more. It was like 55 yards because of the roughing the passer penalty. So I, I stand by it because just the week before, the defense let Justin Herbert do a very similar thing, throw a bomb down the, down the field and let them score, and it ended the way it ended. So I, I'm fine with it. I think that logically, logically speaking, a team that has 19 seconds to get into field goal range from their own 25 should not make it down the field with ease. Okay. But here's, here's the counter for that, okay? So, first of all, the Dolphins had 19 seconds with no timeout. So, in all fairness to Gruden and the Raiders, okay, they should not have scored a field goal. They just shouldn't have. And the stars aligned. You had the face mask. You had the roughing the passer. And the Dolphins just teleported downfield in a hurry and scored a, touch, and scored a field goal. And that, that happened, okay? It shouldn't have. But I will say this. I think, and I know this is hindsight, and I know it's 2020, but I'd rather give the Raiders a minute, or rather, yeah, the Dolphins, a minute with no timeouts and need a touchdown than 19 seconds with no timeouts and need a field goal. I would, because you really can't trust your defense. <laughs> this is a terrible defense. And, and defending field position for a field goal is certainly more of an art than it is a science, okay? If the Dolphins got to an approachable distance to the goal line, okay? Let's say they need a touchdown, okay? And they have a minute to get there. 
They need probably less, but they need a minute, or rather they need a touchdown. They have a minute. And now if you're the Raiders, you can do what Greg Williams should have done a couple of weeks ago, which is stack the end zone, okay? Just make sure they don't get in there. Very simple. And, and that's, that's really the, the difference is that the defense knows what their limit is and where they have to stop the Dolphins. And even if the Dolphins get into the red zone, a field goal does them nothing, okay? So the roughing the passer, the face mask penalty, the Stars, even if they align for the Dolphins, don't win you the game. The Raiders cost themselves the game by giving the Dolphins free yardage. They just did. And if you don't trust your defense, which you shouldn't because the defense is terrible, if you don't trust your defense, then don't give them the quote-unquote power to cost you the game, which they did. So I see the argument for both sides. It's hard because I didn't think that the Dolphins would win. When I saw that Gruden did that, I was like, all right, probably would have scored, but they're still going to win, probably, and good for them. You know, that's a, that's a big win for the Raiders. It was a must win for the Raiders and a surprising one, too. See, but yeah, you can I, see I, where I, the plan I, went wrong. I get, I get your side of it. My thing is the Raiders' defense is so bad that with a minute, they would have scored a touchdown. The way Ryan Fitzpatrick was going no, down the field. No, stack the end zone. They can't score a touchdown. You they, can't, score, Brad, you can't score a touchdown if you put seven in the end zone. I don't think that the Raiders' defense is that incompetent. No, they, I know they it's are. incompetent. But the thing is, all you have to – okay, I can prove why they're that, they're that incompetent. Because all you have to do on this, on the final drive, is keep the player, the wide receiver, in front of you. That's all you have to do. The reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to complete that pass was because Damon Arnett blew coverage and was way in front of the receiver. He was very open. He's very open. So you can't tell me that the Raiders' defense isn't that incompetent because, honestly, they are. Somehow, they would have they messed this up. I don't so know. I you have, but if you have the sideline, if you have the boundary and the end zone as an extra uh, defender and as the 12th man, then – that's only going to help you. I understand. Look, I get it. And I, I don't want to misconstrue this. The Raiders should have won, even with what John Gruden did. I'm just saying that I think they would have had a better chance of winning if they had just scored a touchdown. And, and Jacobs was there, too. And the other thing is, here's, here's a, like a, a happy medium, in my opinion. You want to burn clock, and that makes complete sense. Jacobs could have scored easily on first down. He didn't. And now they're at the one-yard line. You're at the one, the clock is ticking. Maybe score on second or third down, you know, something like that, just to punch it in, make sure you get the points, and still whittle the clock down. Maybe that's what they should have done. I don't know, but it seemed a little flawed. Look, we have to move on a little bit. We'd be yeah. remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the quarterback situation on the Dolphins because Brian Flores said that he's sticking with, with Tua Tugavailoa in Week 17, despite Ryan Fitzpatrick's fantastic performance he lapped to a in less than a quarter he came in at about the 10 minute mark left in regulation he had a touchdown 180 yards 9 of 13 passing Tua had less than 100 yards on 17 of 22 passing in three plus quarters what do you make of this decision by Flores he knows that he has flexibility at the quarterback position so he can put in the guy that you know he wants he wants to play which is Tua and if Tua plays well he gets to stay in if not he'll put in you know Ryan Fitzpatrick will get some Fitzmagic and the Dolphins will will still win a lot of people I saw on Twitter were saying that it's time to just give Ryan Fitzpatrick the job back because they trust him more than they touch trust Tua, which is very which is valid because if you think about it, Tua hasn't really done that much. Yeah, they won a lot of games, but it's been on the back of their defense, and I don't think that's necessarily his fault. There's just not a lot there on the offense to do much with, which especially for a rookie quarterback. You could also you know argue Justin Herbert doesn't have a lot either, and he's lighting it up, but he's just not doing much and sometimes I think fans are probably frustrated that it takes you know until 10 minutes into the fourth quarter to realize okay this isn't working you know and they just want consistency of I they think that Ryan Fitzpatrick can win nine games over Tua and you know what I think Brian Flores is doing doing what he wants you know and that's good for him he can 
he has the autonomy that he can choose when he wants to play who, and it's not that big of a deal. And what the broadcast kept saying over and over and over, this Dolphins team really loves both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick, so there's no bad blood at all. So you know what? If that works for you, go ahead and do it. I have no problems with it. And that's, that's all well and good, but what does Ryan Fitzpatrick have to do to prove that he's just a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa right now? I understand that the Dolphins drafted him sixth overall because – or fifth overall – because he's the future, and no one's going to dispute that, even Ryan Fitzpatrick. But it's just a different offense with Fitzpatrick over Tua. Tua does not throw the ball downfield. He just doesn't. Over 20 yards, that's just uncharted territory. No shots taken. So that's why you had to make the move for Fitzpatrick, because if you're losing, you can't play from behind with Tua throwing slant routes and checkdowns every, every play. Fitzpatrick gives you a shot downfield. He just does. He's always been a a gunslinger. He always will, even in his 16th season. And, yeah, he's not the most accurate quarterback, but at least he gives you a chance. Oh, and that's why it's Fitzmagic, because you have to be good to be lucky. And Fitzpatrick knows when to take his shots, and Fitzpatrick knows when how to play the game. You're in the playoffs. That's who I want leading my offense, not this guy, Tua, who's essentially – Tua feels like a backup quarterback. Tua feels like a backup quarterback who's going to keep you in the game, a game manager, which is not what Dolphins fans want to hear from their franchise piece, but that's what he plays like. He plays like a game manager that does not take shots downfield. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's just going to try to move the football, set the run game up, no play action from him because they don't open the playbook from him for him. And I still don't understand why because we've saw, we saw it in college. He's capable. I don't know why they're keeping half the playbook from Tua, but they are. And that makes the offense uncompetitive and predictable. For sure. And just before we move on from this, the it's very clear about you know, about the taking shots down the field thing in the average per per throw, you know, sure. per completion, is for Ryan Fitzpatrick it's fourteen and for Tua it's four point three yards per per completion that's that's a huge difference and it's because yeah Tua does all these dink and dunk passes that don't really go anywhere they're just you know they're yeah you know against a bad defense that you can be efficient in that and you know have a high completion percentage and move down the field you know once or twice at slow speeds and you can run out time but when the game is online against good teams, that's not going to fly. So we, we'll see if if maybe Tua has, you know, finishes out the season, maybe this next game against the Bills, they skid and they still make the playoffs. Um, maybe we'll put the, he'll put in Fitzpatrick. But we'll see. I think game on the line, I want Fitzpatrick there. But I'm not going to, you know, say anything about the way Brian Flores is running his football team. So that's that for me. Now let's – finish up this conversation by talking about we're actually yeah we're kind of transitioning into playoffs but we're just gonna talk about this football game first Arizona versus San Francisco and the Arizona Cardinals lose 20 to 12 and kind of completely wreck their playoff chances it's not over yet it's not over quite yet but there you know there's some scenarios that are you know could very much you know are very likely to happen that could bump them out and you know you never want to be in that situation with the final week coming up you want to be in control of your own destiny and they fumbled the bag against a team that's just not very good and has nobody yeah i mean arizona had it for the taking they did and you lose to cj bethard and the 49ers and it just makes you scratch your head because this is a team that for so long i first of all preseason they were a very trendy pick for the Super Bowl, and not because everyone necessarily thought, okay, this team's definitely going to win the Super Bowl, but they were new, they were exciting, that was the sexy pick, and it still kind of is because of DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray at at, at points playing at an MVP level, and it couldn't be farther from that last week. 20-12 to they lose, and Murray goes 31 for 50, had a good, not great game, I, I guess, Bad, not good game maybe would be the way to describe it. No touchdowns and an interception. 
And the thing that really sticks out to me is the tape rather than just the stats because there were times when he just looked dreadfully young, really just painfully young, throwing underthrown balls in the end zone with DeAndre Hopkins in the far corner for an interception. I mean, that essentially cost them the game. That's the type of thing that even a player like Ben Roethlisberger at 38, he's not as good as Kyler Murray right now because he's 38, but he knows, okay, you have to give your receiver a chance. And if he's in the back corner, that means overthrowing it a little bit and just give him an opportunity. DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best receiver in football. So if you're going to throw it up for grabs to anyone, it's probably him. And he threw he underthrew it by about three yards, which is a lot in the end zone. So to me, if I'm Arizona, I'm, I'm very disappointed because you didn't expect them to be in a position where the Bears controlled their destiny, but they are now. And I think it speaks volumes about where Kyler Murray is. Doesn't mean that he won't be elite one day, but it certainly means that he's not right now. Yeah, this team, I don't think they're there. They're there. They are there yet either. Um, you know, give it a year or two, add some things that need to be added, and this team could be a really solid one because they have two pieces in Kyler Murray and in DeAndre Hopkins that are really strong. Or maybe, you know, it could be as simple as developing a wide receiver like Christian Kirk, you know, a little bit more. Um, Because in this game, he went seven for 76 yards at seven catches, 76 yards. And he's he's shown potential to be a really good wide receiver. You can't, you know, just having DeAndre Hopkins is really great because he is arguably the best wide receiver in the league. But you need a little bit more, and that's kind of what they're missing. Um, they're missing that little bit more to push them over the edge. And I think what, you know, the, the defense let CJ Beathard throw for three touchdowns, a a backups backup. He was, you know, the third string guy should not be throwing three touchdowns against the 49ers again, or against the Cardinals, sorry, against the Cardinals who are trying to make a playoff push. This is a bad team. The 49ers are a bad team, and it could be because of injury, but bad teams are bad teams. They're a bad team that kind of embarrassed the Cardinals. That, that's exactly what happened, and it w- I think it ended up being turnovers because all the other stats are pretty close, but turnovers ended up biting the Cardinals in the butt, and now we don't know what's going on with them. So we'll see. You know, Unless you have anything to add, I guess we could move on to the playoff picture and just keep, keep it rolling here because that's what, that's, you know, the natural part of this conversation where it goes, what ends up happening with the playoffs. And we're going to stick with the NFC just because we did just talk about it and kind of what happened. Remember there's seven spots and right now the Cardinals are on the outside looking in at the number eight spot falling out of that number seven spot. And the bears are on the rise. Bears have a very legitimate chance to make the playoffs, even with Mitch Trubisky, which is really incredible if you think about where they were at times, Nick Foles getting hurt, everyone thinking that they were doomed because because Foles outplayed Trubisky, but now they control their own destiny with – I'm trying to pull up the schedule right now. I believe it's a a pretty winnable game too. It's against the Packers, but the Packers have already okay. Yeah, whatever they so they, they have nothing to play for. So yeah. there's that, and and the Cardinals have to win just to have a chance. So I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. It's kind of disappointing as an objective football fan because I think that the Cardinals have more potential in the playoffs than the Bears. But hey, the Bears earned it, so good for them. Yeah, the Bears have been really on the rise and they're an interesting team to watch because they just their offense is clicking right now it's clicking at a weird rate granted you you know a game against the the Jaguars winning 41 to 7 is not really gonna tell you tell you a whole lot but I think it's over I'm trying to find it because I think it's over the past three games they've generated they've done something that was that was really good so as as I'm going I'm trying to figure it out because their offense has been right was with Mitch Trubisky in at quarterback they've they've played well and they've and they've done a pretty good job you know they've won their past three games they've won games that really mattered in there 
when talking about the playoff picture to really make that push. And, you know, they beat the Vikings, and that was that was the big one. I'm not going to be able to yeah. find the stat. Well, it, and then, Jenna, if, if you're continuing to look for it, I'll help you out here and bridge the gap. Is that the Bears, it sounds crazy, but the Bears probably don't even have to win because they clinch with a Cardinals loss, and they're going to – the Cardinals are at – Los Angeles to play the Rams in SoFi Stadium and they're probably going to have to go without Kyler Murray he went down on one of the last plays of the game last week against San Francisco with a lower leg injury and he's doubtful right now so without Murray this offense just does not exist even with what I said about Murray underthrown balls painful youth I get it and I know I just said it but this offense is still non-existent without him they need him so if he's not going to go, then you can pretty much just kiss Arizona's playoff hopes goodbye. That one should be interesting, though, because the Rams, they're playing the Rams, and the Rams also are going to be without Jared Goff, who just got surgery on his thumb. So it's yeah. going back up against backup. So there still is a good chance. And as, you know, we continue talking about the NFC playoff picture, the Rams are kind of trending downward. They, they should, you know, continue. They should stay, stay in that number six spot or around that yeah, well, spot. Well, look. Jared Goff might be hurt, but that defense, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, it's more than healthy for whoever Arizona has as the backup quarterback. So very I, true. I found the Bears. I found the Bears thing. I found the Bears thing. So the Bears have scored 30 points in four straight games for the first time since 1965, per wow. ESPN oh, stash. They've wow. been playing really well, and they're trending upward, which. I know it's kind of like the Bears, they're not really an interesting playoff team, but to me they kind of are because remember they started, what, like 5-0? and They started yeah. out really, re- like being a pretty good football team, and then it spiraled out of control because, it found, you know, we found out that they weren't. <laughs> but, you know, it's still, it's still going to be interesting, and you know what, I kind of hope they make the playoffs just because it would, you know, they played really well in the final stretch when the games mattered. The Cardinals haven't, and so yeah. – we shall see. A lot of it comes down to who's playing well at the time. You're right. The Bears are playing well. It should be interesting. We it shall should see. should be interesting. And they'd probably play the Saints because the Packers are likely going to get that home field advantage and the bye. So it would probably be the Saints at the two seed. But it could be the Seahawks who have been flawed this year, to say the least. So Bears are hoping that the Stars align and they get Seattle. But it'll probably be New Orleans because they have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks and New Orleans loss and a Seahawks win moves the Seahawks to number two if the Bears stay at seven. Let's just finish up with with the NFC East because I think that is an important conversation. It was very much the Washington football in control of their own the football team in control of their own destiny. Now the Eagles were eliminated this week and the Washington football team needs to win or it's going to be the winner of the Giants and the Cowboys game because they both have things over they both have the win the tiebreakers over the Washington football team so it's a win in your end situation or it comes down to either the Giants or the Dol- or or the Cowboys ending up winning whoever wins that game which that would be interesting what if the Cowboys made the playoffs after the mess that they went through the Cowboys make the playoffs the Giants, yeah, you want to you talk know, about, been, you want to talk about a team. Cowboys, that's rough. But Jenna, if, you, if the metric is whoever's playing well right now, then maybe you want the Cowboys in there. It sounds crazy, but they have been playing well. I think they won five straight, right? And the Cowboys are six and nine right now behind Andy Dalton. This is a team that everyone thought was just dead in the water. And I'm looking at the schedule now. They won three straight, which seems like a lot more. Uh, comparatively for the for the Cowboys they're six and nine now at the Giants for a must win and if they win and the team that plays football loses Andy Dalton and the Cowboys will be in yep they'll be seven and nine and the Washington football team will be six and ten so they'll be in and then the Giants can even be in because they would end up being six and ten and the Washington football team would be six and ten and the the Giants beat the Washington football team twice this season. So they get the tiebreaker. So really anybody's game in the NFC East after Dwayne Haskins 
really, really messed up to go back to what we talked about the, at the beginning of the show. But now we transition over to the AFC because obviously the AFC play AFC playoff picture is also all over the place. It's shuffling. So the most recent news is that the Browns fell two spots, but they're still at the number. So now they're at the number seven spot, and the Ravens went up two spots, and now they're in the playoffs. They weren't before. And the Dolphins also go up two spots from the seven to the five. And they're going, they're, you know, those teams are all playing well right now. The Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns fell, but, you know, they still, they're still playing well enough. You know, they had all their receivers out with COVID. So, you know, it was the Jets still, but, you know, they're, they're on their way down. But the interesting is, is the interesting thing is they pushed the Colts out of the playoffs. So right now the Colts are at the number eight spot and they can end up 11 and five and still miss the playoffs, which is a crazy thing to say, but it's very likely that we do not see the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. And that'd be something else because this is a team that seemed destined for the playoffs just from the start. They had what seemed to be like the Broncos Peyton Manning model, elite defense, and a veteran quarterback that's good enough. And for a while, it seemed like it was working. Yeah, and there's been plenty of Colts slander on this podcast, but say what you want about the Colts. They've been winning some football games when they've had to. So there's that. And, and it's amazing that there's probably no room for them in the playoffs, but that's just how it's shaking out. And who would have thought that the Browns, after losing to the Jets, would be ahead of the Colts? But they own the tiebreaker. So I just can't believe it. I will say that. I think the playoff picture will stay as is right now. I think the AFC looks like it will in the playoffs. Dolphins at five, Ravens six, Browns seven. But, wow. Yeah, so just to talk about the Colts for two more – for a few more seconds. I'll just go through the scenarios for these last AFC teams. So, the Indianapolis Colts need to win or have a Tennessee t- – or a Tennessee loss or a tie because I believe that would mean – that they would be the AFC South champions, but the Tennessee is playing Houston. So I think that the Titans have that pretty much locked up. Um, and then, or if, you know, Indianapolis ties and then there's a Tennessee loss, those get, you know, those get complicated, but they clinch a playoff berth. That's if they win, sorry, to win the, the, the division. And then they clinch a playoff berth. If they win, they basically have to win or tie, obviously. With a Baltimore loss, a Cleveland loss, a Miami loss, or a Baltimore loss, pretty much all of those scenarios get them into the playoffs. So they need everyone to think above they, them to lose. It, it's incredible to think that, in a way, it seems easier to win the division and have a home playoff game than it does to get a wild card. But that's where we are right now. Yeah. And the Titans have underperformed at times. They've been underwhelming, especially recently. They've kind of laid a few eggs. So they've put themselves in a position where they still control their own destiny because they have the tiebreaker over the Colts. But there is that path to lose the division and lose a spot. Yeah, it's it's pretty – and then, like, for the Dolphins, it's pretty simple. They just have to win. That's the thing. A lot of these – the Colts need a lot of help. And the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Ravens just have to win. Yeah. So the Colts are winning to do a lot, and every other team just has to win. So um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Colts. I'm with you, Brad. I think that the pick, the playoff picture stays the way it is at the moment. Which, you know what? It things got really shaken up this past week, and it made a playoff picture that we thought was secure because that's what we said last time. We were like, oh, this is pretty secure. I think we're good yeah. on this front. And now it's yeah. getting – or we thought the Dolphins would fall out in the end. And they're right now at the five seed. So, we shall see. We shall see. But I think that – I think you're right, and this is what we end up with because it's going to take a lot for the Colts to get into the playoffs. And they're going to be 11-5. and five. See, that's the difference with, between the AFC and the NFC. The, N- the AFC is just full, full of teams that are just really good. The team that will be on, on the eight on the eight seed, with you know on the outside looking in, is going to be potentially eleven and five at the best case scenario. In the best case scenario, the team looking on the outside is going to be nine and seven for the NFC side. So the AFC is just loaded, and that's what happens. It's rough. Yeah, 
so that that moves us to what was trending, Jenna. There's a lot to to hash out here with the playoffs, but that moves us to our what was trending segment, and I'll let you start. Yeah, so we're going to go back to the Dwayne Haskins thing for a second because it's what's trending this morning um, and also this morning being Tuesday morning. Um, and I saw I saw this this video last night, and I was like, this has to be trending. People have to be talking about this. No one was talking about it. And it's the Booger McFarlane rant. Yes. I, that's what I'm going to call it. it it's, it was kind of a rant on – you know, the pre the pregame to the um, the football game last night, and it was about Dwayne Haskins. They were talking about the news. Dwayne Haskins obviously was released, and he made it into a conversation about race, and he was saying it was – he was yelling about it. It was quite, quite hard to watch because he was saying that Dwayne Haskins – was all about, you know, or no, he said Dwayne Haskins was about building his brand, building his brand more than the game of football. They're playing a game, a lot of black, you know, black African-American players, you know, they, or black players in general, they are, they are going into this game thinking it's still a game and that it's not a business is what he kept saying. And that they're here trying, you know, they're just playing willy nilly. And this is what ends up happening. They're out of the league because they're trying to build themselves up rather than, you know, build the business of football up and being good football players. And it was just weird because it felt like a conversation, you know, race should be, you know, talked about, but it doesn't have to be in every conversation. That's what it felt like. It felt like he was putting it, inserting it into, and he had good examples, you know, Dwayne Hassan, he said, Jamarcus Russell, trust me. I, (laughs) I remember Jamarcus Russell, like I get what he's saying. And I think, he just kept saying 70% of the league is African-American. Yeah, we understand that. So there's going to be more examples of that. But a lot of people on the internet are like Johnny Menzel, like prime example, Ryan Leaf, another great example of players who kind of, who, who were busts, who were also white. So it was a lot of people were on different sides of the conversation. Some people, oh, both black and white were, were saying, Booger, you're wrong. The race is not this is not the race conversation and you know others also black and white were supporting him saying that you know he was speaking the truth but it was you know Booger McFarland finally got trended was finally trending on Twitter for something other than his awful you know analysis in the booth so you know what I guess he made his point he tweeted out today that he stands by everything he said and it's just interesting because I, I saw a tweet in response that was like that's everyone in this generation, like wanting to build a brand and a brand is important to everyone. And they, you know, we, cause we are a part of this, this new generation, generation Z of just like, we, we want things without going through the process and we want results quick. And it was like this whole rant, but it, it kind of made sense of just like, it's a, it's a thing that spans across a generation, not spans across young black people. Like it, that just yeah. seemed like a weird Look. way to put it to me. Yes, and I'm glad you brought it up because this was this was nearly my what was trending. I will say that it was racist. I mean, it, it just was. It was a generalization based on race, which if you ask me or Miriam Webster is the definition of race. Okay, so wasn't great that he said it. He's obviously not getting a lot of flack for it because he is African-American. I think there would be a bigger blowback on it if, if anyone else um, said it, but they didn't. And he said it, he's entitled to his opinion, but it's an extremely unpopular one. And it's just wrong. You know, he gets paid to break down the game and the players. And what he's done is pretty much what he's criticizing others of taking the easy way out, expecting results without actually doing the work. He's not doing the work. He's just taking this fallacy and this motif what he calls a motif and this generalization and applying it to the situation that he should be analyzing. He's not talking about Dwayne Haskins. He's just talking about what has happened before and applying it to Dwayne Haskins when it doesn't necessarily match. And you don't know, you don't know what happened to Dwayne Haskins. You don't know if it was a coaching problem. You don't know if he's just bad at football and it has nothing to do. This is just, it's a reach and it's, it was uh it was in bad taste. So I mean, to me, when I saw it, I I'm glad you brought it up because I think it had to be addressed. 
and I'm a little surprised that people aren't even more angry. I, I know they are, but I'm surprised that it's it's not harsher on Booger McFarland right now. Uh, yeah, I it was it was kind of for me when I watched it, it was kind of hard to watch. I was just like, oh, he's he's continuing. But it to is talk. racist. I mean, I don't want to back you into a corner, but no. do, do you agree? Like it's it's racist, right? It, yeah, it it just shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's messed up. You can't say that. But the thing is, it's not going to be deemed racist by by most just because he he's African American, like you said. So it's I know, not, and it, I, I get that. I get that. But again, just by definition, it's racist. And and I. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, straying away from sports for a second, but you can be racist against your own race. You can be prejudiced against your own people. If I said something about Jews, that would still be an anti-Semitic remark. I mean, you, it's possible. So I, I think just by definition it was. I think he should be disciplined by ESPN because, I mean, in reality, there's just no room for comments like that on national television, and that's where it was, and, and that's uh, – it's it's a polarizing comment that could create harm. Like we've learned in media ethics class, your job is to minimize harm. And to me, it's he's done the exact opposite. Yeah. I, to, to, again, someone commented on Twitter and it kind of made sense. It's kind of seemed like a reach to stay relevant. I'm just like, oh, let me – because my thing is I don't know if he – I don't think he said it. I don't think he meant the way it came – came across i i think that he was just trying to have you know he thought it was revolutionary his comment and you know was adding to the race conversation when it was just yeah like you said making a generalization about a group of people (laughs) that yeah it's it's yeah uh, it's messed up and you know he should he shouldn't have said it we'll see i don't i don't know if espn does much my thing is they should do something because it just wasn't the place you know, it wasn't the place. It's not like he has his own, you know, he's known for being a personality. No, he's an analyst. Like, your job is, like you said, to break down the players playing, not talk yeah. about your me, experience, your 20 years of experience in the league. Give me the hear. X's and O's explanation as to why Dwayne Haskins got cut. That's what I want out of Booger McFarland. And I will come up with my objective opinion Based on no evidence, I can do that. I don't need Booger McFarland to do that. So, to me, you're right. It wasn't his place. And that's our, that's our race quota for the day, I guess. We move on to still on the Washington football team a little bit, Jenna. But the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles game got flexed to Sunday night football. And Twitter was not happy about it because there were plenty of other games with some arguably more playoff implications than this one. And it really does matter, actually, because it is an advantage. To play the later game on Sunday is an advantage because you know as a team what you need to accomplish, right? And you have all that in mind. So a team like the Giants or the Cowboys who need to win, they are playing a must-win game that will cease to be must-win if Washington wins. So it's definitely a desirable slot. You have other games that Philadelphia, by the way, is mathematically out. So you have a team that's mathematically out playing in a highly coveted Sunday night football game. You have other games with two teams with playoff hopes, the Cardinals and the Rams, for example. And both of those teams have a mathematic chance. The Rams are in, they're playing for seeding, and the Cardinals are just trying to get in I understand why that game was not a Sunday night game because if the Bears win, then that game loses a lot of its vibrato and and NBC does not want to take that gamble. But you have another game like Packers at Bears, which to me, that's a must win, right? Like if the the Packers are trying to lock up the first round bye, which is essential, okay? And the Bears, that to me, that's the game because the Bears need to win that game most likely I'm assuming Arizona wins. So that's another game. And at the very least, it's Packers-Bears. It's the best rivalry in football. So that's a game that you can throw in there. Even the Cowboys-Giants, that to me has a, makes a little bit more sense. So you have this game between the team that plays football and the Eagles. I guess the sell for NBC is, ooh, go watch the shiny Jalen Hurts because he could be the future. But that's a tough sell in week 17 when it's not about the future 
It's about the playoffs, and it's about right now. I agree, I agree with you on every game except for the, the Cowboys and Giants game because for similar reasons. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think game. that game necessarily should have been over it, but there, the point is there are just so many other games to choose from. Why this one? And, and it's not even like Washington has a national fan base where you can sell it and be like, it's not even like they're the Cowboys and say, okay, well, it's the Cowboys. We're going to put them on Sunday Night Football. No, it's the Washington football team. I, I bet most NFL fans can't name five players on this team. Why are you putting them on the Sunday night slot against a team that does not need to even show up? There's no point. I get it, yeah. All I was saying was the because the Cowboys-Giants game becomes obsolete if this game played so – for some same, same reason, if this game's played, Washington football team wins. Right. That game's obsolete. Right. But I get it. The, the thing is that, like, sometimes primetime – games are bad <laughs> it just happens they can't all be bangers you can't have you can't have the Seahawks play every single primetime game it feels like they do but you can't have them play every single one it's just not it's just not gonna happen I, look I understand that but that, that's that, that's a weak explanation like you can't just say hey well sometimes the primetime games are bad because this is Sunday night the NBC has a choice of literally any game that's happening on Sunday. So just not Thursday night football, not Monday night football. That's it. They can pick any game, and they chose this one. Doesn't make any sense to me. I understand that sometimes you're going to pick a game, and it turns out to be a blowout and whatever. That's just, that's just the nature of sports. But all you can control if you're the network is which game you choose. And this to me, I mean, I could be wrong because it could end up being a classic, but this to me seemed like the wrong choice for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, and again, I wasn't saying that it's not a bad choice, and I wasn't I wasn't done with my explanation. You kind of didn't let, let let me finish. Yeah, there's bad teams, but this this game, that's why people are upset is because there are two teams that no one really cares about, and it's going to be bad football on national television. But the thing is, is that this game is one of the only one I get it because everyone has been watching the NFC East whether you like to say that you've been watching it or not you've been watching it closely you want to see which awful team makes it to the playoffs and you know host the playoff game and this is the team if the Washington football team wins they're in and a lot of people a lot of Cowboys fans are going to be watching a lot of giant or whoever wins that game a lot of Giants or a lot of Giants fans are going to be watching those are pretty big fan bases are going to be watching this game because they need to see Washington wins. I get it more than I guess you get it, but I don't think it's a good pick regardless. It's like last week there was, was it the, what game was it? I remember what game, game it was. I think the Seahawks were playing in this game and they were at the four o'clock spot and the, the month or the Sunday night football game was nobody. Sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles. That's who they choose. You can't really choose it, but there's angles to everything. There's why games are significant to everything. So I get it, and I get why fans are upset. But I also see this is one of the bigger games of the week, regardless if the Eagles are out or not, because it has implications on two other football teams. So that moves us on to what, to our favorite segment. It's time. Cue the music. <laughs> Fan. Frustration. So, Jenna, I'll start. I have the reins. It's official. The Jets are at number two in the draft order, which is just so disappointing. Two and 13 right now. They beat the Browns at home. And I understand, like, it kind of makes sense because the Browns were without pretty much an entire position group. But why? Just, just why? I mean, for so long, you, you were just dangling Trevor Lawrence over our heads. And for me... I think all the Jets fans kind of realized, okay, after the first win, it was pretty unlikely. You're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Deal with it. But I was still watching that game, the Jaguars-Bears game, and the Jets-Browns game, hoping, okay, like maybe this happens. And I remember the Jags were tied with the Browns at 10 apiece. And, and I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe there's a chance. Mike Lennon pulling, pulling a rabbit out of his hat. It could happen. And then 30 points later – it was over. And the Jets didn't do their part either. The Jets won the game. 
The Jets played pretty well. And I think I knew it was over when Jamison Crowder threw a 40-yard touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios. That's when receiver to receiver, that's when I think it was pretty much over. So now I'm just dealing with it. Uh, as that game was happening, I thought of a few trade scenarios for the Jets to the Jags to get Trevor Lawrence. If I'm Joe Douglas, I'm prepared to offer three number ones, including the number two pick this year. I think that's more than fair. So let's make it happen. Let's make a deal. Wow. All right. We'll see how that shakes out in April, I guess. Uh, for me, it is so long to the playoffs. That's what I'm doing right here because that's where we're at. It's just so long. And the Raiders don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. And they were still playing for it against the, the Dolphins on that Saturday night football game. And there was, you know, a slight chance. Granted, the, the Dolphins and the Ravens would have to lose out. The Ravens end up winning. So it would have been, this episode would have been this so long to the playoffs anyway. But this is frustrating because I've said it multiple times. It's just like it was supposed to be different this year, and it wasn't. It was the same. They literally copied and pasted last year. They said, we're going to change location, which I'm not saying location was going to change anything for the talent on this football team. But there was, there was some added talent. People were coming back from injury, and this team was supposed to be better. They were 6-3 and three at one point. They were 6-3, and three, and then they completely crumbled. And we'll see if we, we make it to 8-8. Eight and eight. Eight and eight would technically be a better record than seven and nine, but this happened last year. We got blown out by Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos in the season finale. So it's, I just want it to change. I'll, we'll see. You know, my dad, he's like, I'm done. And I was like, oh, he's done watching the Raiders. That's so sad. And I was like, you know what? Hopefully in the year 2050, when the Raiders finally figure it out, it will be so sweet, and it will be so great. It will be like the Bills and how the Bills fans feel right now. They're just figuring it out and clicking on all cylinders. The Raiders won't, won't do that for a bit now. And I don't know who to play, place the blame on. The only person I know I'm not placing the blame on is Derek Carr. I think he's played fine. He went out there, and he played really well. And he didn't throw an interception. You know, he kept the ball. He put – there was some people, some Raiders fans get super annoying. They're like, that was all like Derek Carr. Let's put in Mariota. We would have won that game. And I don't think that's true. Derek Carr did everything that he could have. And I think he had, he had, I think statistically his best season, better than the 2016 season. So he's the only one that, you know, I'm like, fine. Gruden, we got to figure some things out, bub, because this isn't working for me. I don't want to go four and 12, seven and nine. Now we're going to go seven and nine again, or eight and eight. That's not, that's not the progress I want. We have to figure out on defense what's happening. A play that happened against the Dolphins should never happen with a competent defense. And you put money into this defense, it's completely absurd. You better start hitting on some dra- – the thing is, like, the draft – their secondary, their draft picks haven't really hit. On the offensive side, they've hit. On the, off- uh, the defensive line, when you have Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby, they're both good. But in the secondary, Jonathan Abram – He's the big hitter, but he I think he's like the worst rated safety on PFF. He'll get you the big hit and maybe even some penalties, but he's just not good in coverage. So we need to figure everything out. We need to just start start afresh because I don't want to go through this again. Because it's, yay, we're good. Yay, we're good. Yay, we're good. No, we're really bad. Oh, we're, trump- we're tripping and falling. I just want to know how this team is probably going to be the only team that beats the Chiefs this year. And or you know in the regular season and how they also beat the Saints. Did somebody explain that to me? <laughs> yeah, I, look, it's it's pretty crazy. It was a very roller coaster year in the first season in Las Vegas for your Raiders, and uh, the defense has to improve. Hey, maybe the defense can improve if you want the number two pick. We'll we'll trade down. We probably <laughs> are open to uh, to the possibility. But hey, let's talk about the teams that actually have something to play for. It's big games. We're previewing rapid fire. Sunday night, Washington at Philly. Who do you have? I'm going to take the Washington football team. I like Jalen Hurts. I like what he's doing. But the Washington football team needs this more, and I think that their defense comes through. They just need that. They need their offense not to, you know, give the ball away via the turnover. See, Jenna, I think this is the week of the spoiler, and that's not necessarily like doesn't doesn't necessarily mean 
that I think Washington is going to lose, but I think they could. So just for just for giggles, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Philly here. Now we move on. Cardinals at Rams. Now I'm just gonna start here. I know that Kyler Murray is hurt. I know that Jared Goff is hurt. But who's healthy is the defense. Give me the Rams in so far. I'm taking the Rams as well. The defense is better. That's all for me. Final game on our preview segment. What should have been Sunday night. It's Sunday afternoon. Packers at Bears. Can Trubisky lead the Bears to the playoffs after a ridiculous stretch to close out the regular season? I say no. I say it's Green Bay. I, I also agree. It's going to be Green Bay in this one. Aaron Rodgers pretty much locked up the MVP conversation against the Titans on Monday or on Sunday night. Um, and so I think he continues. He's not going to let his foot off the gas here. And that is all we have. We are quickly approaching the playoffs. It's going to be our first time talking about playoff football, which is going to be super fun and super exciting. I'm ready for it, but you know what? There's still one more week of regular season. And we'll wrap that up. Next week, our first podcast in the new year. We hope that you all have a good new year. And maybe even put on your new year's resolution list. Listen to the Go For Two podcast every single week and to subscribe. I think that's a great new year's resolution for everyone. And the way you can do that is we're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. Hit that subscribe button on both. For Spotify, it's now. I looked it up because I had to, to post. Uh, our, to, I always post a link on Twitter, which is the Go For Two podcast on Twitter. And I always have to look it up on my phone. And it was a podcast for frustrated football. And then we popped up. Oh, oh. So we're narrowing it down. You don't have to put the whole thing, but that is what you have to put in. And then it Let's will pop go. up a little quicker than usual. So that's good for us. Kind of keep those metrics up. So you can also send us an email. That's something that you can do. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can do that via email. We are the go for the number two pod at gmail.com. And like I've already said, we do have a Twitter account. That's where all the episodes will be posted and you can interact with us as well at the go for number two podcast. And that's all we have on this Tuesday morning. And it will, this will probably be posted in the afternoon. So hope everyone has a solid new year and we'll see you next week.